On today's episode, we talk about national insurance. Now, before you switch off thinking that sounds like a terribly dull tax subject, it is an incredibly common way that lots of doctors and other people can overpay too much tax without realizing it. So really important that you listen to this one. It also is a way to underpay tax and underpaying tax is never a good idea and a Underpaying national insurance is especially a bad idea because it may affect your entitlement to certain state benefits. We also find out why Ed's been absent from the podcast for the last few weeks and we take some listeners' questions which were submitted by leaving us a review on iTunes. So that is a great way to leave us a review and ask us a question and we're collecting all the questions that we get and we'll do a question episode soon but we do take one of those questions today. So let's get straight into today's episode and find out why paying the right amount of national insurance is absolutely crucial. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. So I'm delighted to be joined on today's episode uh, once again by my co-founder colleague, Dr. Ed Cantello. Yeah. Hi, guys. Now, you've had a few uh, weeks off the podcast, Ed. Um, <clears throat> we are now back in the Medics Money studio, which if you listen to our previous episode, sounds really glamorous, but is actually my windowless garage full of uh, bikes and sweaty wetsuits and surfboards. But do you notice anything different about the garage today, Ed? Um not particularly, no, other than the fact it's actually, it's actually freezing cold today. Yeah, um, it was on my to-do list to tidy it up, but um, it's still on the to-do list, as you can see. So sorry about that. Um, so yeah, we're in the studio. Great to be back. Um, so a few things have happened since we were last uh, in the studio. Um, least of all, you've had quite a big birthday. Yeah, indeed. Um, it was the big, big 4-0 a few weeks ago. Um, so I feel very old at the moment. Um, and but I was very lucky though. I was able to um, to meet up with some of my friends to um, have a li- at least a bit of a celebration um, just before all the COVID rules changed again and, uh, you know, kiboshed all of that. Um, so yeah, 40 years old and um, yeah, feeling very, very old. Yeah, um, I'm a few years off of that. So I'm going to continue to <laughs> gloat about the fact that you are uh, only a few years older than me. Let's do yeah. It. That's uh, all it needs. Good. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, so, uh, other than that, um, just... But, you know, working away at the, the GP practice, feel like I'm getting my feet under the desk a bit more, feel a bit more com- um, confident with it all. Um, obviously, COVID is changing everything. And uh, I think I think you've had a bit of uh, COVID-related news as well, haven't you? Yeah. So anyone with kids uh, like me can probably relate to what I'm about to say because uh, one of my kids um, got a cough. So, okay, that's fine. And then we mistakenly checked our temperature about five times. And it was high every time. And so that fulfilled the criteria for self-isolating. Of course, it happened the day before I was supposed to be doing a 12-hour on-call shift. Um, So that was a bit of a nightmare. But actually, um, you know, we managed to get a COVID swab test relatively efficiently. And the test was, of course, negative. And I managed to run an on-call day from uh, the Medics Money office. I didn't actually run it from my garage. In the garage? A whole day in this garage. (laughs) You'd go on icicle. Yeah, and probably catch something as well. So, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, that was fun. I mean, it's just going to happen to a, a lot of us over the winter, really. Um, especially if you've got kids, because yeah, all my kids are snotty and a bit pyrexial. And of course, they didn't have COVID, which was great. Uh, but we had to wait until the negative swab before I go back to work. So that was fun. Um, so the first thing that I want to mention on today's podcast is just to say thank you to everybody that's listening to this podcast. When we launched the podcast, uh, we'd never done it before. We didn't know how it was going to go. And we have had nearly three and a half thousand downloads in the first month of the podcast, yeah, which thanks, is guys. It's amazing, incredible. And the reason for that is because people like you are listening to it and sharing it uh, with your colleagues. So someone actually sent me a screenshot of uh, a group of A&E registrars. There was a WhatsApp group of about 200 of them and somebody had shared it in that WhatsApp group so yeah whoever's sharing it just keep sharing it um let us know what you find useful and what you don't we me and ed um read all of the emails that you send us and we use those emails to dictate what content we make so thank you so much for your support the other momentous milestone for us really is that we hit twenty thousand email subscribers which again is something that we're just blown away by because we know that you guys uh, use our content to help make better financial decisions yourself and you tell your colleagues about us and we are all in this together and with you guys sharing it like that we've just um, managed to grow which is amazing Um, and it's really why we started this because each one of those 20,000 doctors is now in a position to empower themselves to make better financial decisions so Thank you so much for sharing it. We we keep saying it, but we really, really, really couldn't do this without you. Um, so thank you to everybody and anyone who's sharing what we do. Yeah, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And big news. We have uh, on iTunes six five-star reviews. Oh, nice. So there anybody who left a review, thank you so much. Um, uh, and some of you have sent in some questions, which are really good, and we are collating them all, and we're going to do a questions podcast episode. But um, someone left us a five-star review, uh, someone called Lou Bolt, and uh, Lou Bolt says, thank you so much for this. If not already planned, could you please discuss how to challenge a tax rebate that has been rejected? For example, an exam resit or an exam that meets the EIM 32535 criteria, but isn't on the approved list EIM 32540. Or would you recommend getting an accountant for this? And I have no idea what those numbers mean, so I'm just going to hand over to you, mate. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and so that's a, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, we'll focus on the, the you know the, the challenge. But if you as I say if you've got um, an expense, it does meet the the criteria. Uh, so the EIM just stands for the the um, Employment Income Manual. So it's the the manual that HMRC use themselves when deciding whether they it's quite like a rule book for the HMRC as it were or, or their, their guidelines that they use so it's quite a useful document every now and again to to reference to because you know you know what HMRC are, are up to what they what they, they're doing you know those are the rules that they try and abide by um so if you've had a challenge uh, I don't recommend getting an accountant for this sort of thing I think you can you know the whole point one of the points of it's money is to try and empower people to do things themselves where they can um, and I think this is one of those situations where you can do it yourself what I would do um, I would personally I would go to my um, personal tax account and if that uh, was it Lou you said? Uh, Lou Bolt Lou Bolt uh, if Lou's um, actually already um, made the claim um, I'm assuming that they've already got a personal tax account so and if they haven't or if you, and you, whoever's listening to this hasn't got a personal tax account, I know I keep banging on about it, but please do do go and set one up. Uh, really, really key thing to do. Um, if they've done that already, um, they can go into their um, personal tax account, go into the pay as you earn section, and then go into the current tax year, which of course right now is the uh, 
6th of April 2020 to the 5th of April 2021, okay? And in that, on the right, there'll be a little bit that says um, what makes out your tax-free amount. So if you click on that, um, in there at the bottom, it will say add a missing allowance or tax relief, okay? And if you follow that through, you'll get to the point where it basically says what, how much do you want to claim? So for example, if you've had an exam reset that's been, um, uh, you know, rejected, you can enter the amount for that exam reset. And then at the bottom, there's a, there's a box that says, you know, why, why has this been missing or why do you want to claim this? And you can say, I've um, reset my exam. This is the amount. HMIC have said no, but it meets the criteria. Um, please give me a tax rebate for it. Uh, awesome. And they should do that. Awesome. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, leaving us a five-star review and asking a question simultaneously is a pretty good way to get our attention. Yeah. Um, loads of other people have uh, sent us questions and we are collating those. And one thing that I just wanted to stress is that um, lots of people downloaded our tax rebate guide, which is totally free and you can download via our website last year. And then they go to use that same guide this year and it doesn't work. And the reason is because HMRC moved the link. So yeah. it's not even just, um, you know, comparison of last year versus this year. They actually moved the link halfway through the tax year. So, or you know, so if you downloaded it before March, uh -huh. uh, it won't work. Uh-huh. So, so the key thing is that um, our guides are constantly updated. Um, so the updated guide is all, all you need to do is download the updated guide. It's yeah. totally free. Just go down, download a guide. You'll get the updated guide. Uh, and some questions we're getting... Um, suggest to me that somebody has downloaded our guide and then shared it with their friends, which is is great. You know, that's what it's about. But the thing I have to stress is that we have nearly 15 iterations of our guide. So it's different for uh, ENT consultants versus yeah. a junior doctor versus an OBS and gynae trainee or an A&E trainee. Uh, each guide is different. So if you use a guide that someone's emailed you, um, it's probably not going to be the right guide for you. So it's totally free. Just download an up-to-date guide from our website, and that takes care of about 100 emails that I get a week just mm. asking that same question. So hopefully that's useful. Okay, great. Um, and as I say, if you uh, could leave us a review, that helps to spread the word, and we'll try to read out one uh, periodically and um, even answer questions. So that's great. So uh, what are we going to talk about today, Ed? Well, as you know, our aim, as always, is to uh, empower doctors to understand their finances and where their money's going. Um, so today, I thought we'd talk about quite a, quite a big topic, um, national insurance contributions. Um, it's a subject that affects all doctors, in fact, everyone of working age, uh, and yet something that a lot of people don't know much about. Um, and most, most people have some familiarity with income tax, you know, rightly so. That's a huge thing and everyone needs to know about that. Uh, but a lot of people are in the dark when it comes to one of the, the biggest expenses that they're going to pay throughout their lives. Um, a lot of this podcast is going to be informational uh, about what national insurance is and so on. Um, but we will also discuss situations in which doctors might overpay national insurance contributions uh, and what to do about it if so. Okay, There's a huge amount to say about this. I appreciate things may get quite technical, um, so I'm going to try and stick just to the basics to give everyone the information they need to know about national insurance, uh, but also include anything that's of really high relevance to doctors. Uh, and once again, um, I've learned something from Ed's knowledge for this podcast, which is definitely relevant to all doctors. Um, so yeah, uh, so I guess we should start with the basics, as you say, by asking what is national insurance? Yeah, so national insurance contributions, or you, know, you may see NIC written down um, for short, um, they're a really important uh, money raiser for the government, and they bring in a roughly around uh, a fifth, 20% of total government revenue. 
Um, although, of course, I'm sure that may have changed now by because of COVID, you know, who knows? But uh, certainly, you know, it's a very big um, revenue raiser for the government. National insurance contributions, they were created um, in the uh, I think the 1920s to provide uh, funding for, actually, not 1920s, sorry, before that, um, to provide funding for the UK social security system, uh, retirement benefits such as the state pension, universal credit, and so on. Uh, you need to pay national insurance to be able to claim some of these benefits. And if you don't have a full national insurance record, you may not be eligible for the full amount. Um, so, for example, based on my age, uh, 40, sadly, <laughs> uh, uh, pensionable age, um, you need I, I personally need to have 28 years of national insurance contributions in order to be entitled to the full state pension when I retire. OK, um, every employee. Uh, pays national insurance from the day they turn 16. You may remember being given a national insurance number when you turn 16 uh, and you'll stop paying national insurance when you reach your pensionable age. So if you work past your pensionable age, you shouldn't have to pay national insurance for those of you that are going to work past your pensionable age. Um, the National Insurance Contributions Office, or, or NICO for short, um, they're, a, they, they're a division of HM Revenue and Customs. They're the ones that are tasked with collecting national insurance contributions. Um, if the amount raised by them uh, to cover national, the benefit system isn't enough, then the Treasury basically give them a, a grant to make up the shortfall. Okay. And most of you will know NIC, um, you know, for employers, it's basically collected via the payers' own system. So you'll probably see your paycheck every month and a deduction for national insurance of that. Okay. So. Definitely. Yeah. You see on your payslip, uh, the deductions is like tax, NI, pensions, and. Um, uh, great. So, uh, so national insurance mainly affects employees. Is that right? Um, yep, yeah, absolutely. So there are actually um, six types of national insurance. Okay, um, there's only three of them that are relevant here for for us today. There are three others which we won't won't go into the detail. Um, but yeah, so for employees, the um, the key type of national insurance is called class one primary national insurance. Okay, and that's paid on earnings from employment. So basically, on your your gross salary. Okay, and um, there's also class one secondary national insurance, which is paid by your employer on your earnings. Uh, and it's actually those contributions from employers uh, that account for the majority of the money that HMRC, the government get from national insurance. Um, so it's class one national insurance that affects employees and employers. Um, but for self-employed individuals, um, and that's really important for those of you who are going to be locum in, especially GP locums, uh, or those of you with um, a sort of private practice that you do via um, a self-employment. Um, there are two classes of national insurance for the self-employed, okay? So the most important is what we call class four national insurance, and that's paid on profits as opposed to salaries like for employees, okay? So it's paid on profits. Um, but there's also um, another type of national insurance, which some people forget about, but is also important, uh, which is class two national insurance. Okay. And that's paid by self-employed people. So GP locums, et cetera, who earn more than the minimum threshold, which at the moment uh, is £6,475 in the year. Okay. And class two national insurance is a bit odd. It's charged at a flat weekly rate. Uh, which is currently three pounds and five pence per week. Okay, so if you're, um, let's say, you're a GP locum and you're earning more than six thousand four hundred seventy-five pounds in the year, which you kind of hope you would, um, then you have to pay the government three pounds and five pence uh, every week. Awesome. Um, 
So uh, that sounds very odd to me to pay uh, national insurance on profits. And the amount of £3 and 5p is very specific and very random. Is this a chance to dispatch this week's tax trivia? Because I've got to say, people are writing in to say how much they love your tax trivia. So in the yep. previous episodes, we talked about why tax uh, Jaffa cakes are the most tax efficient biscuit. Yep. Uh, not cake. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, and what else? did We talked about IR35. So we've had loads of really ta- yep. good tax trivia. Why, so, why the tax year starts on the 6th of April. We've done that oh, one. Yes, we did. So that's on the previous episode. So this week's tax trivia links in nicely because why is that random amount of £3.0 and, uh, and 5p, uh, why is it that amount? Um, well, that amount is basically set every for every tax year. So the amount is just increased by a small amount each year. I think the bigger question is why do we have it full stop you know if you're going to get pay national insurance on your um on your profits as a seven individual why on earth would the government then make you pay three pounds or five pence every week to them you know that's just such a random thing to do um and it's even more strange when you consider that the government actually spend more money trying to collect class two national insurance and they actually get back in revenue so they're actually losing money by charging this um so all very very strange um and there is a reason for it so basically um if you were self-employed and you only paid your national insurance on your profits, um, then there's a big problem here. If you made a loss, which is easy, easily done, um, probably not for doctors per se, but you know, for other self-employed individuals out there, if you make a loss, you wouldn't actually pay any national insurance for that year. And mm-hmm. that means you wouldn't have a full national insurance record because you're not paying any national insurance because you made a loss. Um, so to make sure that there are never any gaps in the record for a self-employed individual, they still have to pay national insurance because they're paying this random three pound and five p every month. Sorry, every week. Sorry to prevent it. Okay. okay. So it's all about trying to make sure that if you make a loss as self-employed uh, individual, you're still paying some national insurance. You can still get a full national insurance record. Yeah. So uh, it just ensures that even if you make a loss, you still build up that all-important national insurance record so that Absolutely. you can claim the benefits that yeah. you may or may not need in the future, including state pension. Yeah, that's it. So you get a full state pension. Yeah. In okay. The future. So that's a bit tax trivia. There's a tiny bit more tax trivia to come later on. So, Whoa. Uh, you know, just watch out for that. Okay. Okay. So if you were thinking about you've just tuned in for the tax trivia and you're about to tune out, do not tune out. We got more tax trivia, yeah. which I don't. Out, but a little bit more. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So we've been through the types of national insurance. Um, how is it calculated so um and i'm fully aware by the way that this is technical but as i say we're trying to give lots everyone all the information they need to understand what's going on here because yeah i'd also point out that there is a bit that's highly relevant which could save some of you listening a lot of money and it's something that um you know i think isn't given enough publicity that overpaying national insurance contributions is another way that doctors can overpay tax so yeah absolutely hang on in there through the technical stuff yeah definitely. keep going and so before we come on to you know about overpaying and and etc we need to work out what we need to explain what the rates are and, and why that situation would arise okay so when we ask about you know how national insurance are calculated um as you said before most of us doctors will be paying what's called class one primary contributions okay uh that's the national insurance class that's most relevant to doctors as employees, okay? Um, doctors have what is called a, a monthly earnings period for national insurance. It doesn't really matter what that is. It basically just means that because we receive our salary on a monthly basis, our national insurance is calculated on a monthly basis. Um, a lot of people back in the day when national insurance was created would have their um, salaries paid weekly. So, uh, you know, there used to be a weekly uh, earning point for a lot of people. But for us, it's paid monthly, so we're just going to consider that, okay? So 
For employees who receive their remuneration monthly, like us, no national insurance is charged on the first £792 per month of an employee's earnings. Okay, that's what's called the primary primary threshold. And you can think of it basically like a personal allowance, uh, but for national insurance, okay? So hold on, can I just uh, reiterate yep. that? So the personal allowance is the amount that anyone can earn tax-free before they pay income tax, is that right? So, so for the, you have to make sure we just think, you know, separate the two. Okay, so sure. your personal allowance for income yep. tax yep. is the amount you can get tax free before you start paying income tax. Yeah. For national insurance, the primary threshold. Yeah. Which is kind of the same thing. Got you. The primary threshold um, is seven hundred ninety-two pounds a month. So that's the amount that you don't have to pay national insurance on. Got okay? it. It's technically charged, but it's charged at naught percent. Okay. No idea why they do that, but naught percent. Okay. Um, then after that, just just like you'd have income tax and you'd go through the rates of um, 20%, 40%, etc. We then do that for national insurance. Uh, and there are two rates that apply here, okay? So um, once you've had £792 in a month that's charged at 0%, or national insurance is not charged, um, then the next um, 3375 is charged at 12%, okay? So between... £792 and £4,167, which is called the upper earnings limit, you're paying national insurance at 12%, okay? Then above that upper earnings limit of £4,167, you then pay an additional rate of 2%, okay? So the rates are 0% for the first £792, 12% from 792 all the way up to 4167 and then above that, 2%, okay? So I appreciate it's a bit difficult sometimes on podcasts when we're, we're giving out numbers like this, um, but those are the amounts, okay? Um, and as I said, I did say there'll be a little bit of, um, of tax trivia for you. Um, so here it is, okay? So in the in the past, there was a, basically a, you know, a golden rule that there was always going to be a maximum amount of national insurance contributions that any one individual would have to pay, okay? So that amount up to, in this case, say 4,167 used to be your kind of limit, okay? And the idea was, you know, in theory, there's a set amount of, of pension that needs to be paid and benefits, although they obviously can't really calculate that with ease because it goes up and down depending on unemployment and so on. Um, so there should be, therefore, be a fixed pot going into the um, social security system financial insurance. So the idea was there was always going to be a maximum amount of national insurance that you paid, okay? Now, um, basically, when the, the, the Labour government came in under Tony Blair, in 97, they thought to themselves, well, actually, why is there this kind of cap when we know that the benefit system amounts, you know, go up and down, it's pretty shortfall. So they introduced uh, that additional rate above the upper earnings limit, uh, 1% at that point in time, purely to fund the NHS. Uh, and there's a bit of a hoo-ha of that because by increasing that um, that uh, that limit, you know, by making sure that they got rid of that cap, you know, a lot of people were quite cross about that, you know, um, but as I say, they say, well, you know, we're going to fund the NHS. We're going to tackle 1% above the upper earnings limit. And I think later on that was increased to 2% uh, because of the, the financial crisis. So the government, you know, basically use national insurance really as a way to raise revenue. It's not anymore really about funding the benefit system. Just an extra part. Basically, it's an, another income tax, really, just with a different name. And uh, George Osborne, our ex-chancellor, was going to combine the whole two in, into one. Um, but it's just another political hot potato. So they've kind of kept the two separate. Okay. 
So um, for those of you who don't really like the idea of thinking about things in weekly or monthly, just so you aware, you know, or you prefer to think about yearly amounts, um, if I put it into year, a year context, you know, the first basically 9,500 is not chargeable to national insurance. Um, between 9,500 and 50,000 in the year, you pay 12%. Above 50,000, you're paying 2% national insurance, okay? Um, you can see that the um, that kind of um, 9,500 is not really very equivalent to the 12,500 that you currently get tax-free for income tax. Mm. Um, at the last general election, uh, and my word, how things have changed since then, um, um, Boris Johnson campaigned with Rishi Sunak, well, I don't think he was there at the time, was he, uh, to increase that 9,500 so it's equal to the same amount as the personal allowance of 12,500. So the government's aim is to actually um, make those equivalent. Um, but of course, at the moment, um, everyone's a little bit bankrupt. They've so, run up um, a bit of an expensive bill since then. So bill. you might imagine that might be put out yeah, to pasture so for a bit. they might not be doing that just yet. Okay? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just say, I know I fully appreciate this is all quite technical. I'm hoping people haven't kind of switched off yet because I say it is relevant. This is all leading up to something big, okay? Um, but if you are interested, I'm not sure anyone will be, but if you're interested in, uh, you know, how to calculate your national insurance bill, how it all works, um, then, you know, I, I've, I've done a blog, which is going to go to our website, which goes through how to calculate it using my own payslip. Uh, and you can find that on um, www.medicsmoney.co.uk for those of you who are interested, okay? And you should be interested, and we're going to get to that really soon, because as you said, national insurance is basically just another tax. And you're going to tell us now a scenario where doctors can easily pay far too much national insurance, and it just yeah. wouldn't get detected unless you have listened to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we come on to that, there are two other things to say. Um, one is that um, I keep banging on about this sort of 12% rate. Just to clarify that for self-employed doctors or individuals um the rate is slightly lower so it's nine percent okay the two percent is still the same all the numbers i keep banging on about for the month are still the same but instead of 12 percent, you pay nine percent again that's something that the government are looking into changing because they're quite skint um and i think uh under Theresa may the plan was to raise that to 12 percent to make it equal for employees uh it went down like a massive lead balloon uh and they scrapped the plan but i imagine that'll be back on the table now uh they're bankrupt um the other thing to say is that um although companies don't pay national insurance um, which is one of the reasons why people were setting up companies. It's one of the reasons why R35 came in, uh, which will be for another day. Um, you know, companies don't pay national insurance, but note that if you um, trade as a company, so some some locums may do that. Um, if you trade as a company, um, although the company doesn't pay national insurance, if you take money out of the company as a salary, you have to make sure you pay employees and employers national insurance. Okay, So just something to bear in mind for any doctors who think, I'm going to set up a company, um, just make sure that you know you're aware of that okay yeah and that's something that we tackled one on one of our webinars this idea that setting up a limited company is a good way to save tax and in the right circumstances it absolutely can be but um, there's also some circumstances as you've kind of alluded to there where it's probably not a good idea so um, we've had a webinar on that we've done some blogs on it if you're not getting our webinar invited to our webinars it's because you're not on our email list so you can join our email list the easiest way to join the email list and play catch up with 
All of the key information that you need is to download our free ebook. It's at medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash ebook. Uh, last time I checked, I think we, we'd had over 10,000 downloads now. Oh, nice. Um, so um, thanks again to everybody who's sharing that and make sure that you do download your own copy because we send you some emails afterwards specific to your situation. If you're a consultant, it'd be specific to that. If you're a junior doctor, specific that. So download your own copy there. All right. So... Um, a lot of people might be thinking, having realized just how much national insurance uh, they are paying, is can you reduce your national insurance bill like you can reduce your income tax bill, for example, by claiming tax deductible expenses like our guide helps you to? So unfortunately, unlike income tax, for employees, uh, you can't deduct your professional expenses or in fact any other costs, and that includes your, your pension um, to reduce the amount of national insurance that you're, you're paying, okay? It just, you know, you get your gross salary, the national insurance just comes off that, okay? Um, uh, it's a bit different for those of you that are self-employed, so GP locums, for example, uh, anyone in private practice, um, because anything that you're doing that reduces your profits as a self-employed individual uh, will actually lower your um, liability to class for national insurance. So, you know, if, if you're self-employed, definitely worth considering what expenses you can claim because you can reduce your national insurance bill. For a lot of us, like myself, uh, employees, there's not really too much you can do about it. And one last thing to say, about um, for those people that are self-employed national insurance and something really, really important to consider is um, if you're self-employed, you know, don't forget you're not going to be paying your national insurance contributions monthly like like employees do, okay? So make sure you budget for paying your national insurance contribution bill on your profits. Um, so a lot of people get to the, you know, file their tax return and then get, get hit by a huge national insurance bill and they haven't saved the money to, to pay for it. So just don't fall into that category, okay? Um, and that's especially important in your first year before you start making what we what they call payments on account. Yeah. And again, we've on our blog in the tax section, we've got a, a really nice explanation about payments on account because it's really confusing because you start as a self-employed locum, for example, and your first tax bill won't be served to you by the government for 18 months. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. So And so that's a massive... Yeah. And then you get hammered. So just really careful about that. Yeah. So understanding the concept of payments on account is absolutely vital because, yeah, you, you become self-employed and you don't get a tax bill for 18 months. You're like, this is amazing. And then, bam, uh, it all comes in one big hit. Yeah, so it's... just have a look on our blog and maybe we should do a uh, an episode about that. Let us know if you want to do a podcast about that. Yeah, I'm happy to. Okay. Um, is there anything else that's important to know about... NIC, as yeah. I like to call it now. That's it. So yes, there is. And uh, we've been alluding to this throughout the entire podcast. Okay. So this is the kind of the crux of why I've been kind of hopefully not boring you, but maybe boring you with all the technical detail of national insurance. Okay. So for employees, doctors, you know, you should keep an eye on your national insurance contributions because if you have more than one job in the tax year, for example, if you locum for multiple uh, trusts, um, then you may be overpaying your national insurance. Okay. So as we said above, national insurance is charged against salaries for employed doctors. The thing to note is that the rates are charged on the total amount that you've got in the year, but your employers may not be doing that, okay? So we discussed monthly rates earlier. It's pretty easiest to think about this by looking at the, the yearly bands, okay, the yearly amounts. So I said before, you should pay national insurance contributions at 12% on your earnings between 9,500 and 50,000 pounds, okay? And then 2% over 50,000 pounds. I just hit the table there. Um, unfortunately, if you work for multiple different employers, it's not uncommon for them to charge you national insurance as if that job was your only one for national insurance. Okay. So you'll be paying 
national insurance contributions on earnings it really should be charged at two percent and that's a huge difference yeah okay. the reason why ed just perforated your eardrums by banging on the it's not a table it's our surfboard yeah on the surfboard. Uh, but yeah. you bang the surfboard is because um this is such a common scenario that we mm. see doctors overpaying national insurance i don't see anyone banging on about it like we are um so that's why he's thumping our surfboard because it's so important it's getting too passionate there. yeah that's so it. give us some examples um and numbers we like numbers yeah that's it so um so as an example let's let's imagine you've got a doctor that um, works for one employer only in the hospital and they earn £80,000 a year, okay? When you run the numbers, and in my in my blog, uh, I do actually show you how these numbers are calculated, but for this, the purposes of today, the podcast, I'll just tell you what the national insurance bill should be, okay? So the national insurance bill should be uh, quite a large sum, £5,460 for the year, okay? You're a doctor, you work for one hospital, you earn £80,000, you're an IC bill should be £5,460 in the year, okay? Now, here's the crux. Imagine that same doctor um, somehow works for two different trusts and earns 40000 from each of them, okay? So their total salary is exactly the same, £80,000, but they, they split over two different employers, okay? If both employers ignore the other, which is very likely, they may charge an IC equally on her salary, okay? So both of them may be charging national insurance on her salary without regard to the other one, okay? And if they do that, then that poor doctor will end up paying £7,320 wow. in so, insurance. Wow, so they're going to overpay by uh, how much? Like around, so, well, not around, 1860 quid, And that's a lot of money, like wow. nearly two grand overpayment here. And that's a really common scenario that you just outlined there. I think a lot of people listening to this would relate to that. So, wow. Okay. And if you do get people that, you know, you, you get people out there that, that are looking for loads of different um, trusts out there. Um, I, I had a friend, um, a doctor who, um, you know, locums for loads of different trusts to, to get more money. Uh, and he's constantly overpaying his national insurance bill because they don't, you know, some of them do. Some of them just assume well, it's not your main job. So therefore we won't charge you national insurance. Or we will at 2%. But, you know, they don't know. And why would they know? They just yeah. they just focus on the fact. Well, you're you're our, our employee. Here's your national insurance bill for the year, and actually, you know, you overpay. Luckily, they're a friend of yours, and they get the benefit of your wisdom. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and what Medics Money is doing is making anybody who's listening to this effectively a friend of Ed's, and you're getting the benefit of his wisdom as well. So um, we've got a lot of friends out there, as I said, uh, over twenty thousand uh, friends, and we're all in this together, and we are helping each other together. You are helping us by telling your friends about us, and Ed is helping us by telling us bombshells like that that you, yeah. someone's easily could pay over £1,860. That's, that's yeah, shocking. That's it, with that salary, absolutely. And, um, and you know, this, this you know, I don't want to scare people. This may not be happening. I don't want to set hairs running and everyone to panic about the national insurance. You know, but just, just really watch out for it. If you have more than one employer in the tax year, just keep an eye on it, okay? And if you think that you've overpaid your national insurance, then you can contact the, the National Insurance Contributions Office for help, okay? Um, it's a little bit strange. What they'll do if you do that is they'll send you a form to fill out which asks you for the amount of national insurance contributions that you paid in the year, which is really, I find quite bizarre because the whole point of the National Insurance Contributions Office is to collect that information. So it's a bit strange that they, they have all this information, but then they write to you and ask you to fill it in. But it, it is a simple form, okay? Just It's just a table and it asks you for your national insurance payments from each of your jobs, which you can find on your P60s or P45s, okay, for each job, right? So it's not difficult. I just find it a bit bizarre that they have to ask you for that information. 
I think this reinforces something that we talked about as well before, which is um, it seems boring, but keep your paperwork because yeah, that paperwork definitely. is probably the only accurate record and potentially not accurate, but of it. So so yeah. basically National Insurance yeah. Office or NICO should know what you've paid, but they yeah. send you a form to ask yeah. you what you have paid. And yeah. the only way you're going to know that is if you've got your P60s, P45s and payslips, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just so strange, you know, they're basically saying, you know, we know how much you paid, but, you know, how much do you think you paid? Uh, and, you know, and anyway, to find that is from your payslips. So get that, if they, if they send you that form, you know, use that table, you fill out that table using your, your um, P60s, P45s, and whatever you do, just keep that information somewhere safe, okay? Whenever you get a P45, a P60, and to be honest, a payslip, just keep it somewhere, okay? Um, sometimes they do actually realise that you've overpaid themselves. So they will, then they're not... Um, you know, they won't just completely ignore it. If they if they realise this, they will send you a form unprompted asking you to tell them what national insurance you paid. Um, again, they won't say, you know, you've overpaid. Here's the amount you've overpaid by. They'll say, you've overpaid, we think. Tell us tell us how much you paid. So a bit odd, but, you know, that's just the way um, the way things go in the, the wonderful world of uh, the tax authorities. Um, note that the above may also be the case if you're both an employee and self-employed okay so if you're an employee for um you know let, let's say for example you're an employee for the hospital but you're also self-employed because you do some private work somehow um you may also be overpaying national insurance okay because it, once again you know you should be paying between nine thousand five hundred and fifty thousand on your total employment income and profits a fixed sum of national insurance okay and if you're both employed your employees can be taken off 12 percent if you're self-employed, you're going to be paying 9% of your profits. You know, you can see easily a situation whereby you're paying far too much national insurance, okay? Um, it's a little bit complicated here because on the one hand, you're paying 12%. On the other, you're paying 9%. You know, if if you're in that boat, you might want to discuss that with the National Insurance Contributions Office because, you know, there is there is a fixed amount you should be paying on that section and then 2% above that. And, you know, you can easily be overpaying, okay? So if you're employed and self-employed, you may be overpaying if you're an employee with multiple jobs, you may be overpaying. And, you know, we don't want to be overpaying national insurance when you we don't need to. So just, yeah. just keep an eye on this. So as doctors, we like to think about risk factors. And a lot of what we do in our day jobs is stratifying and calculating risk. So essentially, it's not 100% this, but the risk factors, in essence, for overpaying national insurance are, as you say, if you have a self-employed and employed income. Yep. Or if you have more than one employer in a single tax year, is that right? Yeah, basically. I mean, it doesn't normally apply if you, um, you know, unlike income tax, which can be quite messy when you when you switch jobs in August, for example, often doesn't really apply for that. Apply to that. Um, but um, definitely, if you're locum in for multiple jobs, or you or your, um, yeah, basically locums, that's the key area really where they do multiple jobs with different people. You know, you can easily get into a bit of a mess for national insurance without even realizing it. Awesome. Lovely. So, you know what, I think um, I think that's pretty enough on national insurance for today. The, you know, the key thing, well, the two key things, one is we're trying to empower you guys to understand what where your money's going, basically. And so if it sounds a bit heavy handed, a bit technical, you know, you're thinking, what else is that about? You know, it's just trying to give you that information because it's a, basically another tax you're paying. You know, why are you paying this tax and where is that money going? OK, so that's a lot of it's informational. But, you know, as I say, watch out for situations where you might be overpaying national insurance. And if you're if you're locum in as a self-employed doctor, you know, make sure you are aware of what you should be doing. So you should be paying that three pound and five pence a week. And if you're not, you should be. And don't forget to budget for that nine percent of your profits. Just go into the to the government 
unless insurance. Okay, so that's really important to budget for that as well. Awesome. Um, thanks so much for that. Um, you know, we're doing this for you guys and we we respond to all of your feedback. So the feedback so far of the some of our episodes have been really technical like this and some of them being less technical. And the more technical episodes are the more popular. So let us know. Do you like this kind of technical in detail chat, which is actually going to save you a lot of money? Do you like the more fluffy stuff? Or maybe you like both and uh, we'll keep doing both. But we've got some amazing new features, some amazing guests lined up for the podcast. And once again, thank you to everybody that has shared it. Um, my toes are going numb because it's actually it's so cold, freezing yeah. in the garage. Yeah, I've got one last thing to say, which is for those people that do like the technical side of things, and you know, I'm one of those sort of people, um, don't forget, there's also a, a blog on this going up on the website. So if you want even more technical stuff, um, please do go to that and you can find it there. Yeah, I'll drop a link to that blog in the show notes because um, the worked examples in there are really good and something which um, it was easier to explain on paper often. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but that was really super interesting. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks for the tax trivia. Thank you to everybody who's sharing this once again. And we both look forward to catching up with you on the next episode very soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. See you later. Take care.